What's up, guys? Welcome into a weekend edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are going to talk, continuing, our preview of the 2022 season. Now, as I mentioned the other day, we are going to go through position by position, and then we're also going to look at the key players individually on some podcasts. I started this most recently yesterday with Jared Mueller, where we went through Deshaun Watson's preview for this year, what the year looks like for him, what the data tells us from his past, what we can expect in the future, all of that stuff. So that is available. Go back and listen to that. We talked about a ton of the stuff with Watson surrounding um, the stuff on the field with the stuff off the field, where that sits now, what a suspension looming looks like, the impact of that suspension, all of the above. So that podcast is available. And a reminder, some things up at the OBR website the film breakdown on Dawson Deaton is up finally on the seventh round center, what he can look like for the Browns. Uh, Fred Greetham did a look ahead at the Browns linebackers expectations for this year. We also had the uh, special teams write up, which I think is really interesting looking at who's filling the special teams voids this year. So that is another interesting piece of information. And then Cody Sook put up his most recent wide receiver rankings in the AFC North, looking at player by player. So that's all available. And then we will have a replay for tomorrow's podcast of the Thursday Ask the OBR show. So you could check that out in audio form tomorrow if you would like. For today, though, we continue and finish up quarterback because this is the first week of previews and we got to finish up quarterback as we started with Watson. Now we get to Brissett. So I'm not going to deal with Baker Mayfield because I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be here, obviously. Uh, best for everybody involved. And I don't think we should waste time considering what a season for Mayfield could look like because it's just so far-fetched that he would be here. Uh, we can start with with Brissett because, uh, like I said, I think there's a real chance that Jacoby Brissett plays a lot of snaps this year because of the looming Watson suspension that is pretty inevitable at this point. Whether the length is as long as some people hope for or as short as some optimistic Browns followers believe, that's yet to be determined. But we will figure out soon enough likely mid-July, what the suspension for Watson looks like. And with the Brissett situation, you got to know what you're getting into, okay? So I did a podcast about two weeks ago with Zach Hicks really digging into Brissett because I wanted to do that out in front of this situation with Watson, right? Like, it was getting bad at that point. And I'm going to reshare some of that, uh, some of that podcast here at the very end in case you missed it. Uh, on what Zach thinks of Brissett, but uh, I do think that we should go through some of the pieces surrounding Jacoby here, okay? Especially the data. So he started two seasons where he did not expect to start, all righty? So 2017, he started the year because he uh, took over for Andrew Luck, who got hurt. I believe Andrew Luck got hurt in the preseason or right about there. Early, I don't think it was in season. I'm pretty sure it was in the preseason or there was the shoulder issue that wasn't healing. So he started 2017. Okay. He also started 2019. I'm not going to go back to 2017 much, but I am going to talk 2019 when Andrew Luck unexpectedly retired. That was when uh, Brissett took over and was a little closer to what this version of himself would be. All right. So in 2019, he ended up actually having a decent statistical season. Uh, if you look back at it, he was 27 of 446. He ended up going close to 3,000, 2,942 yards, 18 touchdowns, and six interceptions. The big-time throw to turnover-worthy throw wasn't wasn't very strong. He only had 11 big-time throws and 15 turnover-worthy throws, so not very strong. An 8.3 average 
uh, target depth of target there. And yeah, let's just dig into what the numbers told us. So his passing grade wasn't very good. Okay, his passing grade was a 58.0, which was 27 out of 28 qualifying quarterbacks. Those are quarterbacks who played 50% of snaps in the field, right? He was 29th out of 35 on 20-plus yard throws downfield. All righty. Now, he was a little better in 2017 where he was 16th, but the throws downfield, he was only, and that's 20-plus yards or more, only 12 of 43 with eight big-time throws and then five turnover-worthy throws. It didn't get much better in the intermediate. He was 31st grade in intermediate. He was 33rd graded in short. So the the consistency, decision-making, accuracy of throws was not very good. All righty. So things got a little better. And this is where I think he stands out. He can handle things when they get chaotic around him. He had the 16th best grade versus pressure in 2020, or sorry, 2019, which is a good number, right around league average. But the thing that is kind of worrisome here as he was 26 out of 26 in passing grade when kept clean. So these are qualifying quarterbacks, enough percentage of those snaps to be graded there, not guys who got a couple snaps, but again, a high volume of the of the requisite dropbacks. He was among the worst, 26 out of 26, when kept clean. So when everything's good around him in the pocket, that that's a bit of a worrisome number. He was 20th when he was blitzed. 23rd when he was not blitzed, 26th grade, and I pay attention to play action because of how the Browns run it, 26th in play action, 27th grade with no play action, and this is the biggest concern with Brissett, he had the second highest percentage of dropbacks with pressure responsibility passed to the quarterback, creating your own pressure, drifting, stepping into pressure, not getting the ball out, he was the second, only to Mahomes, but we know Mahomes works magic and is able to get out of these things, Brissett not able to get out of these things, okay? So, yeah, not not exactly the number that you want to see there. And especially considering that 19 Colts offensive line was really good. They had the lowest number of offensive line pressure responsibilities. Not good. He obviously didn't play in 2020 as Phillip Rivers was there, but he did get a chance last year between injuries and, and discomfort with Tua Tagovailoa's play in Miami. And there's some interesting data from last year. He was 15th out of 38 qualifiers in just total passing grade. 12 out of 37 in deep passing, so that got better. 29 out of 34 in intermediate, so that did not get better. The intermediate is 10 to 19 yards. Needs to be better there. He was the this is what's interesting. He was the best, he had the best grade. Now, this is with a bunch of qualifiers in terms of like 20% of dropbacks, not 50%. 50% is usually your higher volume starters. 20%, like in Miami, Brissett started, uh, he started six total games, right? Of those six games, I got to mention though, four of them were over 70 passing grades, which is really what you want to see. He only had two two ugly games, I would say. Uh, the game in Indianapolis week four, he had a 52.5 passing grade. And then in week 10 against Baltimore, he had a 56.1. So not terrible games, but not good there. But again, getting uh, four games above 70 is a pretty strong mark for his season. So he had the best passer uh, grade under pressure in 2021. So that speaks highly of his ability to evolve as a quarterback. Still the kept clean numbers, 25th out of 40 qualifiers, not great. 14th against the Blitz, got better there. 19th against no Blitz. So what I'm, I am seeing here is, when teams drop a lot of coverage and Brissett is forced to throw into tight windows or he's forced to throw into dense coverage looks, a lot of dropping DBs, maybe three blitzers or four blitzers with six or seven dropping, 
does not thrive in those situations. Alrighty? He was 21st out of 38 in play action. And then when he was using no play action, which are straight drops, he was 14th out of 38. He went last year in Miami, 141 of 225. He had a 1,283-yard number, five touchdowns and four interceptions. So nothing crazy. But the big-time throws, volume was up. He had nine of those in uh, only 225 attempts. But again, the turnover-worthy plays are high. And I think that yields itself from just general inaccuracy he can have as a quarterback. And this is what you got to remember why he was ultimately moved on from in 2019. They brought in, uh, they brought in, as we know, Phillip Rivers, and then they ended up letting him walk. Where he goes to Miami, and in his time with Miami, um, you know he has a, a decent little run, but Miami ultimately lets him walk too. So he's fine to me. Brissett is a league average quarterback. His best part of his game, I would say, his ability to stand in and deliver among among chaos. I think he's pretty strong with avoiding pressure, being able to to keep guys off of him and deliver a throw. Now, the accuracy of that throw, which is the worst part of his game, what he has to improve, is consistent accuracy when not pressured or not facing chaotic situations. Also, getting the football out on time, in rhythm, that's another thing. So your question, and I think it's a fair one, is the outcomes for him this year, because I'm trying to do this, look at the worst part, the best part of their game, and then what their outcomes look like. You would need Brissett to be this version of himself from last year or a little better where you get 1,200, 1,300 yards and six starts, five touchdowns. You maybe like that to increase to eight touchdowns or so. Try to do more with that. There's no doubt that Cleveland will provide better offensive line stability and run game stability than Miami offers. We know that to be true. Uh, So I would imagine the Browns would lean heavily at the start of the year, especially with that favorable schedule into allowing Brissett to hand the football off plenty and then use some play action for easy throws. You would need his play action stuff to really uptick in terms of efficiency decision-making in those fields because Kevin Stefanski can create opportunities for you. The deep ball passing, which took a step forward in 2021, you would need that to take a step forward. A bad outcome would be an under-even touchdown-to-interception ratio. He is a 63% completion percentage guy last year. If that dipped under 60 would be a bad outcome for him. And really the turnover-worthy plays creep too high, right? Something like 15 turnover-worthy plays would be a negative outcome. You need you don't necessarily need the big-time throws, but you do need him to deliver double-digit over a course of, you know, eight starts, uh, some of those big-time throws into some of those tighter windows because teams will drop those guys coverage-wise back knowing his scouting report, you would need that number to go up. But above all else, for Brissett, you just need him to take care of the football. Take care of the football, get it out on time, and be a version, a little better version, of what Baker Mayfield was last year. You know, Mayfield was among the worst-graded quarterbacks last year, and I get it, largely because of the injury and all of that. But you need him to just be a consistent, leadership-based version of what Mayfield was last year, but a better, less turnover-prone. So hit the easy throws. Hit the NFL starter-required throws. And then you have a chance to survive. You forget that last year the Browns were hovering around 500 at the end of the year, had a real chance to make the playoffs. If they just get marginally better quarterback play, they could be in a chance to make the playoffs last year. That's what I think Brissett can give you, given health, given things good around him, much cheaper 
as we know, not a $19 million version. So I'm not here to say Baker Mayfield is worse than Jacoby Brissett. I don't think that's the case. Healthy Mayfield, in a rhythm, confident Mayfield is a pretty decent to average, above average NFL quarterback. I don't think Brissett has above average quarterback play in him. But can he be average, right? If he can be average, sit at those numbers I mentioned earlier, tilt the big-time throws out in front of the turnover-worthy throws a bit, continue to make strides, avoiding being the reason pressure happens in the pocket. He's going to get much better offensive line play, like I said, than last year in Miami, but it's going to be similar to 2019 Indianapolis, which is such a great offensive line. He's going to have to tilt that a little bit, right? It's not going to be 19 Indianapolis, in my opinion, because Jack Conklin's coming back from injury. You got a new starter at center. But it's going to be, I've said this before, a top-five goal offensive lineman, like like unit. That's what they should be. But at the minimum, to me, it should be a top-ten group. He needs to be able to take advantage of that. Reminder that the schedule is super favorable at the beginning of the year. So if Watson suspended 11 games, 12 games, whatever, uh, or down to 8-6, I don't know, he should be able to guide them into a decent start of the year. The goal would be to get out of the first six games around 4-2 and two because it does get very difficult after that. If you come out of it 3-3, three and three, I think that's okay. But you can't come out of it, uh, you know, 2-4 and four or something like that because the quarterback play was the issue. So we'll dig a little bit more into Brissett and replay that interview with Zach in just a moment. Josh Dobbs... I don't really have much to say about Dobbs. We had Marcus Harvey on this podcast uh, last week. He made reference that Dobbs could be a guy that they use as sort of a, a gadget quarterback system uh, setup thing here where they they have these things they want to run with Watson, and they do, I would imagine, have some run gadget play stuff here with read option and some different things with Watson. They could use Dobbs to do that. It's possible. I mean, Dobbs only has 17 pass attempts in his NFL career in a regular season setting. 10 of 17, uh, 45 yards. He has an interception. He played uh, five games in 2018. He played one game in 2020, which I believe was in Cleveland. He also has a little bit of rushing yards. He uh, actually ran for 31 rushing yards in his career. There's not much to speak of here. If you look back at some of Dobbs' preseason stuff, that's where you can start to get a little bit better uh, better feel overall. Uh, in 2021, the preseason wasn't very strong for him. He ended up with a 46.2 passing grade and, as a reminder, did not make the Pittsburgh roster out of camp. Obviously, Mason Rudolph did. Uh, So that was a rough preseason for him where he ended up throwing for 102 yards, 15 of 23. 2019, uh, his best graded preseason by far. Reminder, there was no preseason in 2020 in the pandemic season. Uh, He was 18 of 33 in 2019 in that preseason. He had an 88.3 offense grade, 79.4 pass grade. He had six big-time throws and three turnover-worthy throws. And then in 2018, he was a 65.0 passing grade, 29 of 43 for 434 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, so a high volume there. I don't think you're going to see Dobbs much. I, I really don't, I, I, and that would be the goal. I mean, if you get to the point that Brissett also got hurt, that would be really unfortunate for your situation for Cleveland and just kind of throw everything out out the window. Uh, just to remind everybody uh, about Dobbs rushing stuff in the preseason. He had 61 rushing yards. Actually, his preseason totals in general, he's had 145 rushing yards in four preseasons. So he can do a little bit of it. He was a 4-6 guy, 4-6-5 coming out of Tennessee. He was a fourth-round pick of Pittsburgh back in 2017. 
He's had six 10-yard rushes, so he can get out and run. Some design stuff, 13 first downs in those preseasons. It's okay. He has forced 12 missed tackles. You like to see that in terms of creating some stuff after contact or creating some misses. So two rushing touchdowns in the preseason stuff as well. So that's really the only way you're going to get a feel for Dobbs. I'm sure we're going to see some of him in camp. I'm sure we're going to see a little bit of him in preseason if the suspension decision happens before that moment in time, which I would imagine it would. So, you know, there's a little bit about Dobbs, but anytime you're going into a a season looking at a preview, you're not going to talk in the NFL these days. There's just not much to talk about with your third-string quarterback. I think among third-string quarterbacks in the NFL, though, Dobbs is fine. He can do some basic things. If he has to play extended snaps, it's not going to go very well for the Cleveland Browns. Like, he's just not built for that. It's just not going to, he's just not good enough. So, you know, you do what you can, you get a backup, and you hope that the situation with Watson works out, and you can get everybody back in time. And as we all know, man, though, if it gets to backups, even Brissett, it's just such a coin flip. It's such a coin flip. You don't know how the guy's going to play. He's not a consistent player because he's a backup for a reason, and you just hope for the best. And like we said, if there's a six-game suspension, eight games, something in that range, the beginning of the season can help the Browns keep afloat to then make a charge in the back half of the season when the schedule gets a lot tougher. So that's your preview of the quarterbacks. I want to share real quick, though, before we go, before we separate, a quick interview that I did with Zach Hicks. Actually, not quick. It's actually pretty detailed about Brissett. If you've already heard this, feel free to skip it. But I wanted to reshare it in terms of its relevancy to getting to know Brissett a little bit better ahead of the season So let's share that replay with Zach right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So we're going to talk about Jacoby Brissett. To do so, wanted to really talk about... I know he's with Miami last year, but I wanted to spend as much time with people who got to know him by watching as much of his film as possible. We've talked to Zach in the past. He's at Zach Hicks too, lead analyst on Colts on fan network. Uh, He does a great job. He's a film guy, mile high huddle. Uh, You know, one of he's all over the place, man. He does some draft content. He does a great job and you should follow him because I think we need to follow as many great writers and analysts as we can from other teams 
in the AFC. And and again, I cannot uh, you know, more strongly urge you to follow Zach. I think he does a great job. We're excited to have you on, Zach. How are you, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. You know, it's been it's been a while since I've been been able to talk about uh, Jacoby Brissett. So I'm excited. It's been a long time. It is. Uh, it's weird to cover the Cleveland Browns right now, and <laughs> with that weirdness, you have to look at a bunch of different possibilities. And as we were talking about before, we brought this on to live air. Is they're going to get something from Jacoby Brissett at some point, whether that is six games, ten games, a whole season. We don't know yet. Seems like July is when that decision is set to be made. We'll. See if that actually comes to fruition or not. But I think we need to prepare for who Jacoby Brissett is as a quarterback because you're going to have to cross the bridge of uh, him carrying you through some games. We'll see what that looks like. But um, yeah, so Jacoby's situation is is weird. If you trace it all the way back, he's drafted by uh, he's drafted by New England out of college. He he actually started it at Florida, I believe, and then made his way over to is it NC State that he ended up making his way over to coming out of NC State or am I losing my yep. mind there? No, yeah, NC State. Yeah, he came out of NC State yeah. there. Pretty highly recruited guy. High I think he might was he a five star? I can't remember if he was a five star or not coming out of out of high school, but he was pretty highly recruited and yeah, not too um, sure. I know he was a big two sport athlete. Like he was actually like a really big time basketball player in high school as well. So I mean you you won't see it on his NFL film as much, but like he was actually a great athlete. Uh you know, in, in high school and college. And, uh, you know, he can still move around a little bit, but he's, you know, obviously more like a pocket passer type of guy in the NFL. For sure. So he's drafted a uh, third round, 91st pick overall. And then he ends up getting traded to New England. Sorry, he gets drafted by New England, traded over to Indy. Uh, I'm not sure. Did he get traded? What did he get traded for? Philip Dorsett, I, I believe. It was Philip Dorsett, I think, okay. straight up for him. Okay, so Philip Dorsett, because it doesn't have the Dorsett name in the transactions set here, but, you know, this thing, not always perfect at pro football <laughs> reference. But anyway, he does arrive and is not really expecting to play a ton, but 2017, so there's a story. His two chances, if you look at his, his statistical analysis for his years in the NFL, he plays a ton in 2017, starts 15 games, also plays a ton in 2019. Those are obviously tied into Andrew Luck's wild roller coaster so enlighten us a little bit on why Jacoby got those two seasons of opportunity in Indy yeah so 2017 was fun because I I swear it was like it had to been like four or five days before the season started he was traded for uh they traded Philip Dorsett for uh Jacoby set and you know the the idea was he was going to start quite a few games because they didn't know how long Andrew Luck was going to be out uh, and it actually turned out you know Andrew Luck was out for the entire season uh in 2017 I don't think he played one snap so uh, Jacoby came in and he was going to be the backup for at least a couple weeks behind uh, Scott Tolzien, uh, the, the guy that they hired or the guy that they uh, signed in the offseason. And uh, the first week was so awful from Scott Tolzien. Uh, I mean, if you guys remember that, it was it was like the Rams won like, I want to say it was like 48 to 16 or something or 48 to 9 uh, in week one of the 2017 season. Uh, and the Colts, you know, they just they just kind of said screw it and threw uh, Jacoby Brissett out there uh, from from yeah. then. And, and you know, forty six to nine was the final of that one. Forty six to nine. Uh, it, it was a it's a tough situation for a quarterback to, you know, he went through the whole offseason program with the Patriots. You're immediately thrown over to a new team, and then on what a week and a half of preparation, you're the starter. Uh, and, and I think he was okay that year, given the circumstance. Again, it was it was a lame duck coach. Uh, it was Chris Ballard's first year trying to fix that roster. Uh, it was super young and just not a great roster at all. So uh, 
it, you know, it, it looked like a young backup caliber guy starting a whole season. And then go, you know, you flash forward 2019 and Andrew Luck retires, a, you know, a, a week before the, the regular season that year as well. So he goes again from preparing to be the backup all off season, you know, to be a guy who's, you know, maybe sparingly come in to, okay, now it's your job. Uh, it, it's, it's two tough situations and it's actually crazy that he kind of found himself uh, in those, like, you know, depending on what happens with the Watson stuff here, this might be the most notice he gets before, you know, starting a big, a big chunk, a big chunk of games in the NFL. Yeah. So, so those, let's talk about those two seasons. Obviously you had mentioned he was ill-prepared to start 17. I think at least as far as I remember, the Andrew Luck announcing his retirement was a massive surprise. Yes. So you're talking about two seasons and not that you don't prepare to start necessarily, but you know, you, you, you definitely have to change your frame of mind going into it. His, his two seasons, not very strongly graded 2017. He was a 62.6 passing grade and a 58.0 pass grade, but the statistics on the surface level, not all too terrible. 52 sacks in 2017, pretty rough. Yeah. Cut that down as I know you guys over in Indy improved that line play drastically down to 27 in 2019. 18 touchdowns, six interceptions. So I'm going to three-tier it. Let's first start with what you think he does well. And, and consider yourself, if you can, the type of offense Cleveland's going to run. Wide, act, you know, wide zone play action, a lot of that. Heavy run game support. So what do you think he can do well for Cleveland if he's forced to start a portion, a large portion of the year? Well, the, the best thing about Jacoby said that you can always say is uh, there's never a dead play with Jacoby. I mean, he he is outstanding at breaking, you know, breaking sacks in the backfield and extending plays. Uh, like I said, he's not this like super athlete. You know, he's not even like the type of athlete that Andrew Luck was. Uh but when you're looking at the, his size and the way that he just throws off tacklers, I mean, there's never a dead play in the backfield. I mean, there was a, there was a game against the the Broncos in 2019 uh, where the Colts needed to go drive down the field to to win the game, and and he nearly gets sacked in his own end zone for a safety. He breaks the tackle of Von Miller and throws a, a dart down the sideline for like a 50 yard gain. Uh, so yeah, he he can do those things. You know, there are some eye opening plays. You know, he has a big arm. Uh, he can operate pretty well in those half field reads, you know, off of play action and stuff like that. If you give him, you know, just one or two reads in front of him, uh, he can do that. So, I, I mean, I think the, the physical ability has always been there with him. Uh, and I, and I think that there are flashes of seeing like a really good quarterback. Uh, it's just, you know, he obviously wasn't ever able to really put it all together, but you know, when you have a, when you have a running team where you can do a lot of play action and give him some half field reads and some, some, you know, easier reads for him to get the ball out of his hands, I, I think he can operate in that pretty well. Okay, so you you kind of think there are some some schemed up answers, and he can do some things that if you give him some play action or you give him some very defined reads, he can handle that. If defenses right. are taking things away from him, what are the things he truly really struggles with? Like if if you're like breaking down tape, your team scored ten points and uh, two hundred eighty yards, they did this to make to make Jacoby struggle, and and and, and does that kind of happen as it happened a lot throughout his career because it's not been terrible but it's not been great so i'm curious you know the weaknesses you're going to talk about have they sort of manifested itself over time or has he gotten a little better in your opinion i I do think there was some improvement from 2017 2019 but it just it really wasn't at a level where you would feel comfortable with him as a starter you know he got better at making some reads but for the most part 
uh, unless there's guys schemed open for him, you know, he's not going to throw guys open. He's not going to anticipate routes. He's not going to, um, it, you know, it, it's it's just tough to run an offense with Jacoby Brissett because you need to kind of have everything perfect for him. You know, when everything's perfect, you know, the way that 2019 started, you know, he, he finished year 18 and six. And I believe he threw 15 of those touchdowns in the first 10 weeks in 2019, you know, and, and we had some Colts fans here saying like, Oh, Jacoby, a surprise MVP candidate and stuff like that, which was ludicrous at the time, but you know how, how fans can get with that kind of stuff. But when it started to get kind of tougher down the stretch, when, when the struggle started coming, you know, it, it, it kind of all collapsed for him. I think he threw three touchdowns in the last uh, six or seven games and uh, the offense just kind of sputtered because he really needs everything to be lined up and perfect for him. And and one thing that really helped him in 2019 and why some of those stats look better is, you know, he didn't have one offense, like every single offensive lineman on the Colts, you know, up front did not miss a snap or did not miss a game that year. Uh, that's something you'll never really repeat. Uh, so he had really good protection, protection all year. He had Frank Reich, which is a really great play caller, helping him with things. And, and, you know, for the most part, that offense was, you know, below average. It was okay. But, uh, when, when things aren't perfect, when he's playing against a tough defense, when, when you know, there, there aren't really those holes in the zones that he can see easily, uh, that's where you kind of start seeing the issues. And it's really not that he forces it into bad spots or he's going to throw a bunch of picks. It's just he, he eats the ball. He doesn't throw it. Uh, he, he'll take a lot of sacks. And, and honestly, the Colts offensive line was so good in 2019 where they, they should not have given up uh, 27 sacks. You know, a lot of that was on Brissett holding the ball. Uh, Andrew Luck the year before that, I think once they figured out their offensive line, I think went like 10 straight games without getting sacked. Uh, and then Phillip Rivers the next season, I think the Colts were in like the bottom uh, three or four, or well, the top three or four in sacks allowed. So, it, I mean, it's, it's a good offensive line, and and he kind of made them look worse because he was holding the ball. So, uh, it, you know, it, it really is tough when things aren't going great for Jacoby. But if you do have, you know, a good playmakers, good offensive line, good running game like the Browns have, Brissett can do a little things, you know, he won't hurt you too much. It's just when you kind of ask him to make that big play, it's rarely going to happen. Does he have a bigger arm? I know he's not mobile. There's this misconception and you talked about it because of his athletic background. He's not mobile in terms of running away from people. You can't run some read option with him. There's not quarterback run game sprinkled in. He's very much a pocket guy, almost in the line of like Ben Roethlisberger, where he's a big guy that's hard to bring down in the pocket uses that to his advantage. Not that I would think like late career Ben actually makes a lot of sense, you know, like that type of guy is the arm strength good enough. What, 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 you know, I know he played in a dome in Indy, but he's going to play in a little bit windier situations in Cleveland on the lakefront. So I'm curious what the arm talent looks like. I think the arm natural arm is really good. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, for someone like me who breaks down so much quarterback mechanics and quarterback, uh, the ways that quarterbacks throw with velocity and accuracy. You know, I don't think he's great off platform or he's great uh, under duress or something like that. But when everything's lined up and, and he can just stand in the pocket and say he has to, you know, rifle something 40 yards down the field outside of the hashes, you know, he, he can make those throws. Uh, it's just how accurate is it going to be and, and can he do those in, in difficult situations? But I mean, if we're talking natural arm strength, that uh, yeah, he can, he can fit in any window. You know, he actually has more of an issue of you know, taking some off the ball, like, you know, when he's throwing the ball underneath, he might throw it too hard or he might rifle it in there when, you know, it really should be more of like a toucher or, or an easy pass there. But, you know, when, when we're talking pure, pure arm strength, uh, he does have really good arm. So, okay, let me ask you this. We'll kind of close here because you've done a good job giving us a picture of who Jacoby is, what his history is a little bit. Is he, You? I don't know how much film you watched of Mayfield last year, but 
it was tough. It was yeah. not, it was not good. Can he be a version of Mayfield last year? Or do you think there's even a little bit, he can be a little bit better because he takes care of the football a little bit better because yeah, he'll eat some sacks and that's a little frustrating, but, but he's, he's definitely not as turnover prone and seems to, uh, you know, have a little bit more ability to extend a play than Mayfield does. So I'm curious if you think that's that's a pretty similar situation, that unhealthy version of Mayfield, or if you uh, if you think that he's a he's a downgrade there. I mean, unhealthy Mayfield was not very good last year, uh, mechanically, production wise. You know, there, there was a lot of issues with with Mayfield, but I do think there were a couple of good moments, and there was some, but there was obviously it was it was hindered by his volatility, but. Uh, with Jacoby, you know, it, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be very frustrating. You'll, you know, you'll be watching these games, and and there'll be throws that he just doesn't make because of his conservative nature. And and there'll be times where uh, he doesn't step up to avoid a sack because, you know, he just doesn't have that pocket presence or anything like that. But uh, if you're talking purely from a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, uh, who doesn't make huge mistakes, you know, I, I I do think Jacoby can do that for you. It's just, you know, you you kind of have to win games. I don't want to say in spite of Jacoby Brissett, but you just kind of have to win games with him not doing that much. You know, if you ask him to do more than kind of like the minimum, you might get in some issues there. But if you ask him to make a couple of throws here or there, you know, can scheme up some shots off of play action. I think he can do that for you. It's just, I don't think, you know, you're not going to have a high power passing game or, or maybe even, you know, a top 10, top 15 passing game with a guy like Jacoby Brissett. It's just, it's just going to be like the passing game is kind of an auxiliary to, the run game when you have a quarterback yeah. like Jacoby. And and I do want to say, I want to finish this before, before I go here by saying, I love Jacoby Brissett. I think he is a phenomenal person. And I know for a fact that players love being around him. Like players adore this guy. They would go to war for him. I'm sure Anthony Walker's talked about him quite a bit uh, yeah. there, there in Cleveland. I mean, he was the most fun, entertaining, real guy uh, to talk to. It's just, I really wish, you know, and, and, in kind of less detailed terms, I wish he was just a better quarterback because he's such a great guy to root for. Uh, so you guys will at least have fun, you know, with with all the stuff going around with with your guys' quarterback situation to you know, have a quarterback where I think everyone can agree that Jacoby Brissett's a good guy to root for, you know, with with everything that's it going helps. on the last you know yeah. year or two. Yeah, it definitely helps. I think Zach, you've done a great job of painting the picture of him. I'll, I'll ask you this: just a little little fun one. The Matt Ryan trade doesn't happen. Even Baker Mayfield went on the podcast. Uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but he had mentioned he was interested in the Colts. Would you have been, if the Matt Ryan thing fell apart, interested in bringing Mayfield in? I mean, I don't really know what else Indy could have done. And and yeah. from people I've talked to with close to the situation with Indy and stuff is, you know, the, the Colts really were not interested uh, in Baker Mayfield whatsoever. And I, I actually think they would have gone, they probably would have gone Winston or Mariota instead of, mm-hmm. instead of Mayfield. But you know, for me, Mayfield's probably would have, probably would have been the only option that made sense because you know Winston, Mariota, maybe Winston, uh, but you know then you're also getting the more off-field type stuff there with him. It's it's a difficult situation. I think Mayfield's the only one that actually gave you real upside. So for me personally, I probably would have been interested, even though it wouldn't have been very interested. <laughs> you know, again, yeah. last year was a disaster for Mayfield, and you guys know that. Uh, better than most, but uh, for someone like me who studies mechanics, you know, I went back and watched a couple of his of his uh, games, and it, it was it was tough to watch. And I know injury plays a part of that, but 
you know, I, I kind of get like 2020 Carson Wentz vibes with that. And I did not want to go back to that with the Colts. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you would, man. Over under Carson Wentz years spent with the commanders over under is one and a half. What are you taking? Oh man. I do think he fits that offense better than he fits the Colts offense, but you know, the volatility <laughs> is just going to always be there. I, I'd, yeah. I'd say under, I'd say one year uh, with man. them. Because there's an out after this year. There's a there's a very very easy out uh, to where if he even plays average quarterback play and say they win seven eight games right and they miss the playoffs, like there's a very easy out where you could save almost everything on that contract by cutting him. And you know, would you pay him that contract for like another average volatile you know season? Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I, I I think Carson did some good things, but he's just a tough quarterback to support in the NFL. Very tough to support. Good stuff, Zach. We appreciate you enlightening us all about Jacoby's time in Indy and what the fr- the fans here can expect of him. We thank you again, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. Okay, we close today with continuing our idea, uh, what I like to do on every podcast moving forward, of one key Browns question for every pod. The question I've received is, what is the prognosis for Denzel Ward? Will he be ready for the regular season? It seems as though he will, Okay. And another question that stemmed from that is what's going on with greedy is the shoulder surge or is the shoulder nerve issue back again. Uh, what we have learned is that Denzel's issue is not all too serious. He did have an MRI on it or uh, whatever. I think, I think they did extra MRI and it is nothing uh, serious to report. So he will be back fine. Shouldn't be an issue with the start of training camp. And what I've also been told is that Greedy Williams has nothing to do with the shoulder while he was working on the side with trainers. It was actually an ankle injury of his own. So that's good news in my opinion. It doesn't seem to be all too serious with either guy. They should be back and ready to go. And um, yeah, I think that's the best news we could possibly hear coming off of anytime you hear an important player like Denzel leaves, uh, you know, walks off with trainers. That's nerve wracking, especially considering the contract he just signed. And you never want to hear Greedy's continuing to work with trainers, given what happened to his 2019 season with that shoulder. Sorry, 2020 season with that shoulder and missing the entire season. So it seems like they'll be in a good place by the time training camp comes around put an end to some of the nerves around that stuff. So wanted to answer that key Browns question of the day. Thanks for checking out this Saturday episode went up a little late, but that's okay. Nonetheless, some good content here. Previews continue next week. That's all for the quarterbacks. Hopefully you have all of the answers you're looking for there. If you want more, have any more deep dive questions or I didn't answer something on it. Let me know. I'm more than happy to answer in ask the insiders. Anytime you have something that you need with the quarterback, just ping me and say, Hey Jake, and I'll get to that question. So we'll move to running backs next week, probably get into tight ends a little bit, but yeah, we're going to keep this thing moving. We only have so much time until the start of the regular season, sorry, start of training camp. As we know now is July 27th, the Browns announced that they have 11 open sessions to the public. So make sure you get your tickets for those because that'll be a really cool look at the evolving situation in Berea with expansion looming and all that stuff at the, at the uh, Browns facility. So make sure you get up there. It's always a great time. So check out the OBR where we have all of those dates and and the information listed there for you as well. A reminder that tomorrow's podcast will be a replay of Thursday's Ask the OBR show with myself and Andrew Spade. Hopefully you guys start joining that show. It's a weird time. It's 830 a little later because of uh, having to get the the little one down in the evenings and all of that stuff and trying to make sure there's created time there to do all of that. 
It's 8.30 a little later, but I think it's a really fun show, so check that out. Tomorrow's pod will be just a replay of that in audio form for you to listen to if you would like. I think there's a ton of great questions and conversation that come up during that show. Thanks, guys, for checking out today's episode. Have a great Saturday, a great weekend, and go Browns. Go Browns.